and imagination of audiences around the world continues. Now, the most electrifying rematch in motion picture history, Rocky II, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, and Burgess Meredith. Rocky II, rated PG, starts Friday, June 15th, at theaters everywhere. Welcome back to our Rocky podcast. This is episode two, which we call Gonna Fly Now. And I'm bringing in Duan here, who was with me for episode one and will be with me as we get through all of these movies. Duan, after watching and, and talking about Rocky one and then your anticipation for Rocky two, uh, did you feel that this project made you think about the movies any differently or did it sort of feel just like, you know, the same, you watch Rocky two a few different times and, and nothing changed in, in the way that you were looking at the film. Well, I think like, you know, this one, my perspective on this one was actually quite a bit different. Um, where we left off last time, like, you know, the first film had been this runaway success. Um, you know, it gone from this being this small, uh, film uh, that opened in a handful of theaters to being like the highest grossing film of the year and uh, winning the Oscar and you know obviously the studios wanted to follow up on that they wanted to uh, they, they wanted to see, see, sequel and you know it's been a while since I've actually sat down and watched Rocky 2 and there were things I was a bit of surprised about that from in this one and some of that uh may have been due to a fairly significant change in personnel. Um, John Avelson, who was the director and did such a good job on the first movie, he wasn't available this time around. And, you know, I think he was off working on Saturday Night Fever. Um, There's a couple stories, and we'll get to those stories when we talk about sort of the facts and the, the stuff that's out there on the internet. But yeah, go ahead. And, yeah, the guy who who had to step into that role was Stallone. And, you know, the studios weren't big on that idea at all they weren't keen on it they i think stallone's only director credit up to that point was paradise ollie which had been a bomb and like he kind of had to fight for the role of you know rocky in the first film he had to fight for the role of director in this one and the people who kind of backed him on this like the the people who got got it over line were the producers winkler and shardoff they were kind of like you know this guy produced the magic first time around he deserves this opportunity if anyone does um but aside from that they got the whole band back together you have Italia Shire in again as Adrian you have Carl Weathers back as Apollo you have Bert Young in as Paulie you have Burgess Meredith uh, you have Tony Burton in as Duke Phil Conti back on the music so all the characters you know and love are still 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 there and I suppose we talked last time about whether it was just kind of dumb luck that they left something on the table to come back to this time it was really no secret what direction this story was going to go um I think the the initial the initial script draft was called uh, Rocky Two Redemption. You know, so they they were they're gonna run back uh, the same fight again, and you know this time they had the opportunity to give you the option or give you the ending that maybe most of the people wanted first time around. Yeah, and the pacing is interesting because they are telling a story which 
it it kind of mirrors Stallone's life, as it were. So I'm sure when he's both directing and acting in this film, he's probably thinking a little bit about himself because at this time, you know, coming off of the original Rocky, he is on top of the world. And like we see in every situation of whether it's celebrity or it's sports or it's just any sort of situation where something good comes out of uh, a project or in your life, there is the what's next piece of it. And if you don't reach that similar apex, then the people will consider that you are a one-shot wonder, you, you know, you're not uh, a, a, as good as maybe people thought you were. So he was dealing with this in real life, too. And, you know, he mentions this, and I'll talk about this as we, we talk again about, like, you know, facts and interviews and, and, and stuff. But so this, this movie, because of the tone of on top of the world to then back down on the bottom, and then he has to climb his way up again. So it was uh, uh, pacing and story arc and all that. It wasn't as easy flowing as the first movie for sure. And then with Stallone being a, a young director, I'm sure there there are some instances where if you did have Avildsen back, the movie would have flowed a lot better because there are some really, really dull scenes in this film where it seems like time almost stands still. And then there are some scenes where I'm just living life and I'm like, man, that 10 minutes or that 20 minutes just went by like in the blink of an eye. So just kind of pacing and, and timeliness uh, of this film is uh, it, it's definitely up and down. And, you know, I think, you know, as we talk about three and four, they just go for three and four, they go, you know what, this thing's just going to go a hundred miles an hour and we're just not going to really pause at all. And, and it may have been because this film was a little slow at times, but then again, so was the first one. I, I just think, because of the the uh, that story of the first one was a little bit better than this one, so we we were able to deal with that slower storytelling. Yeah, and I think maybe like as, as I said at the start, it was the switch. You have a guy who's a very inexperienced director, and maybe he just didn't really know quite how to face it. Like there's 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 some parts in this film where there's a lot, where there's a lot of quick cuts. You're jumping from thing to from from story to story to story, and it's kind of hard to kind of get your mind around some of it in the early part. Yeah, so the way that we'll do this is very similar to how we did the first one. I will tell the general story, and I will try to do that quickly. We'll go over favorite scenes. Uh, we'll go over favorite quotes, and then we'll talk about the uh, training montage and the fight scene and the music. I will ask Duan some questions, and if he has questions for me, uh, I, I will take those as well. Then we'll talk about the facts and stuff that you can find on the internet about this movie. And then we'll uh, give our pet peeves and finally an MVP of the film. So the, the story is uh, the movie picks up literally 20 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour after the first movie ends. And you have that classic Rocky uh, sequel trick, which is to show the end of the previous film at the beginning of the new film. Now, when you watch it back to back or you watch it within a span of 
two weeks, you're you're like, hey, like I already saw this. Why don't you see this again? But what you have to remember is there's three years in between films and you don't have VHS at that point and you don't have the HBO so that you couldn't, you know, if you had seen Rocky in the in the in the theaters and you went to see Rocky two, there's a three year gap to where they they, uh, you know, to where they're trying to retell the end of the first movie. I think that that's the first thing that kind of surprised me is just how long that recap of the first film is. I think they just show like the last, you know, what, seven or eight minutes of the film. Yeah. Like verbatim there's no cut, cut, cuts in it at, at, at there all. is one cut where uh they don't show rocky uh they don't show him uh getting his eye cut like they show the line but they don't show the blood squirting out that's the i think that's the only thing that's missing from that scene yeah like and you just don't really see that that much especially anymore where you just like have that long a recap so it just kind of felt weird and then the instant pickup also like you know as you're saying like just three years after the film you kind of exp- like i would have expected that you know you pick up with rocky six months down the line rather than you know in the changing room directly after and it probably is to the benefit of the storytelling if they do do that but for whatever reason they wanted to uh, stallone wanted to pick this thing up right after so he has to tell you know that whole uh going from the top to the bottom story which some of that he could have skipped if, if they did do it that way so um so they, they they are headed to the hospital rocky and apollo show up at the hospital at the same time apollo's really frustrated he's asking for a rematch rocky immediately reminds him that when they were inside the ring Apollo said there wasn't going to be a rematch, so something has changed in, in Apollo's mind from from the the ambulance ride over. Um, one thing you'll notice is that Paulie is a, a good deal of amount skinnier than he was in the first film, and uh, Adrian's hair is is a t- tad bit longer. But I thought they did a pretty good job of making everybody up to look exactly how they did at the end of the first film. Uh, yeah, like obviously they play into Paulie having lost weight. I think the story there was that like he was not entirely on board initially with doing a sequel, and he was preparing for another role where he was sliver, and that's where that that, that problem came in. But you know, I think like Rocky make, makes a note of it a little bit later on. But like they kind of avoid focusing on that too much in that this early part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're at the hospital, and we'll get to a, a really good scene that happens in the hospital. We'll quickly we'll fast forward away from that, but uh, they uh, the second that they leave the hospital, there's some people who want to sign Rocky to do commercials. He is just only interested in proposing to Adrian. He proposes to her. I have a, I'll have a question about that when we get to the questions section. And then uh, they get married. So it's like literally, it seems like very little time has passed and they just, boom, quickly get married. Um, he makes something like 37000 for the fight and immediately buys a sports car, buys coats, buys watches, and then puts a down payment on a house. And I was just like, man, uh, things have gotten a, a real big deal amount more expensive in, in the last uh 40 years or whatever so uh just amazing that 37k could get you all of that uh it's very clear that apollo creed is so frustrated by the fact that this uh this guy who was not even a contender took him to the limit uh adrian is pregnant 
Uh, Rocky tries his hand at the commercials, but he is not uh, good at reading. He's not good at uh, taking, I guess, uh, taking direction. And uh, the commercial career is over before it begins. And in an interesting juxtaposition, Rocky, who was dead set against setting Polly up with his buddy Gazzo, uh, sets Polly up to take his old job collecting. And then Polly sets him up with his old job at the meat factory. So they quickly change positions uh, in the film. Uh this is where I mentioned sort of the slow parts because menial labor, uh, Rocky in the in the meat factory is not an interesting fellow at all. Um, he is struggling with the the mindset of 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 having this job and and not really being able to provide for his family. He asks Polly to take over the car payments of this car that he just purchased, and he feels this pressure to fight. Adrian is dead set against him fighting. She decides to go back to work part-time at the pet shop. So then Rocky gets let go from the meat plant. And he's thinking about fighting again. And he's hitting the uh, he's hitting the heavy bag. And Adrian walks down and they have this conversation where he wants to fight again. She's very protective. And in my worst favorite scene or in my least favorite scene in the first two films rocky goes into saying that uh he has never asked adrian to stop being a woman so please don't stop him from being a man that's ugh, that that scene almost kills the movie for me right there uh and so then uh mick comes and uh they agree that they need to knock Apollo's block off and the fight is going to happen on Thanksgiving. So the rematch Creed versus Balboa two happens one year after Rocky and Adrian's first date, not exactly one year because Thanksgiving is not on the same day every year, but right around a year. And in setting up a strategy, Mick basically tells Rocky to fight right-handed instead of southpaw and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that as we get it more into the show uh polly goes to the pet shop to yell at adrian uh, she's been working at the pet shop and she goes into early labor the baby is a month premature and is born healthy but adrian slips into a coma and rocky will not see the child until he can see the child with adrian uh, hoping that she wakes up from her coma. So this is also around the time where Rocky is training for the second fight, and Mick is so frustrated with him because Rocky's heart is absolutely not in it. Even from before when Adrian got sick, he and Adrian were not seeing eye to eye, so he was just not into the training. Uh, and Mick goes to the chapel with Rocky as Rocky is, is uh, praying for Adrian, and Mick basically says that you know they have one chance and if rocky wants to give up that second chance uh that most fighters never get then he'll sit here with him and the thing that i think about is what happened to all those great prospects mick was training what are they supposed to be doing and then finally uh adrian wakes up from her coma and rocky says you know if you don't want me mixing it with creed then I won't. And she's like, no, I want you to win. And Mick goes nuts. 
and that sets the tone for the second uh, for, for the training montage and then the second fight where Rocky does defeat Apollo for the heavyweight championship in a 15 round slugfest where I'm really surprised that neither of them died after the fight and then that is the movie so did I miss anything in telling the stories or anything else that you wanted to add? No, uh, there's, there's um, a lot of the story is told up front in this one. I think by the decision they made to uh, not give the characters room to breathe and just pick up in the locker room straight a- a- after the first fight, uh, first movie, um, they had to just like pack an awful lot into that early part of the film you know straight away Apollo's come come back off his decision to not want to rematch Rocky's retired you know then in the next scene he's proposing next scene he's married Adrian's pregnant you know he's out he's out, <laughs> out there spending money like he's Floyd Mayweather um, he's buying a house he's buying a new car he's just in his life outside of the ring you know he tries the ad work that doesn't work um, you know he tries office work he can't figure that out Um he, he he has a look at go, getting some manual labor work with, with Paulie, as you said, and that's kind of working out for him. But you know, he gets laid off, and you know, he goes back to work with Mick as a set, like kind of a, a corner hand uh, in the gym. And you know, at that point, he's kind of looking at like he's got no real real other option other than to go go back to the ring and um, there's a lot of story told in that first you know half hour of the movie which you know maybe maybe they didn't need to tell all of all of that up front and then i guess the second phase of the film is what you have what you mentioned is after Adrian falls ill. You know, Rocky's kind of battling to find his motivation for, for for this this fight. And you know, it's a big part of the story is creating uh, the bonding between him and Mick that would kind of lead to Mick being this kind of inspirational character for Rocky throughout the rest of the series. And this time around, we're seeing a very different Apollo. You know, last time we talked about he had his mind was anywhere off, anywhere other than fighting Rocky. This time, you know, you see him training. He's knocking guys out. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's got a real rival this time. And, you know, he's aware that he has to be the bad guy in, 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 in this fight. You know, the public's putting pressure on him to kind of, you know, show that he is as good as he's been saying he is and beat this guy who you know should have really never been in the ring with him in the in, in the in the first place so are you of the opinion because there are a lot of people who are of this opinion that right before the training montage uh, probably from the time of um I, I guess i would say you know rocky kind of screwing up the uh the advertisement gig and then all the way through the end of the coma. Like, people think that this movie is so long and boring. And I sort of get it, though there's enough charm in it from Stallone for me that I don't, I'm not truly bored. I like some of the, some of the little bits and pieces of it. But there are people who, who just think that that last part with, with Adrian being in the coma is just so painful to watch. Yeah, it's like, I, I get it. I don't feel that way myself, but, you know, I can see where the parts of it are slow. And I think, you know, there's just a few scenes in it that are so good that they carry you through that. Um, and, you know, the interactions between the characters is so good they carry you through that. And I guess that's what we'll we'll talk about next. All right, let's take a quick break from the Rocky 2 episode 
of our Rocky podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. And let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, so let's talk about our favorite scenes. Uh, these are not training montages or fight scenes. These are scenes outside of those because we'll talk about those uh, after this. Uh, so I'll go through four and uh, doing you can add any color commentary to, to my four and then I will open up the floor so that you can add yours. So my first favorite scene is it is very early in the second film. They've gotten to the hospital and Rocky has the surgery and Apollo is in his in his room. It's really dark. It's quiet. And Rocky kind of, you know, knocks in and, and asks Apollo if he can ask him a question. And he says, uh, you know, did you give me your best? And to Rocky, you know, the, that, that's what the whole first movie was about was, you know, at some point he realized that he was not more than likely not going to win the fight. But to him, lasting the 15 rounds was very important. And so as he's had some time to think about it, he understands the game of, of boxing a little bit uh, and and realizes that, okay, you know, is is there is it possible that that Creed was carrying him? And that is, that would have been heartbreaking to Rocky as, as someone who's built solely on on pride. And uh, no, Apollo goes, nope, I gave you my best. Yep, I gave you my best. And, and so that to Rocky was like, okay, then what I did in the ring was actually real and it wasn't fake at all yeah um, and what i like about that scene is it plays off kind of what you've seen in the first movie in that in in that great scene with rocky and adrian where he admits to her that you know he doesn't believe he can win the fight but you know all he's looking for is you know to go the distance and get that validation that he could do something that you know people didn't believe believe he was capable of and you know at this point he's still chasing that validation he's 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 asking apollo you know even though he's done something that like you know where you where you pick up with his character at the start of this series just seems completely outside the realms of possibility. Even though he's done it, he still needs the confirmation from Apollo that you know what he what he did was real, and it wasn't like you know this elaborate carry job or it's like you know Apollo playing a joke on him or whatever it was. You know that that you know he he did take take the champion the the distance fair and square, and um. But the other thing I like about it is that, you know, even though Apollo has been quite heated with Rocky in the immediate aftermath of, of the fight, and, you know, he's talking about how he wants to, you know, he'll beat him properly next time and all this, when the cameras are off and the public pressure isn't there, you see that he has the respect for Rocky, that, you know, he, you know he's going to give him give him the peace he needs. He, take, he lets him know, you know, that was the best I had, and you were every bit my equal in there. And then that's part of what makes Apollo great as a champion is, you know, he 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 could have been 
a little defensive in that moment and just been like, no, I was worried about marketing this fight because, you know, that's kind of what I was doing. I was more focused on that. But inside the ring, when it it came time to dig for Apollo, he had to dig and be a champion at that moment. And so he realizes that and he's not, you know, if he was to say that he didn't give his best, that almost takes away his own accomplishment, which is, you know, not knowing anything about this fighter getting this fighter's best and then still being able to win the fight, you know, maybe when he's not at his most uh, physically fit or, or trained or whatever. So I, th- I think that's a moment for him too, like a moment of truth for him to say, no, you know, that's why I also am, am a great champion. Uh, so my second scene is, is really small scene. It's kind of a goofy scene. And this goes back to when Rocky can't read, so he can't do any of the commercials. And, you know, as as he should want to do, he's like, okay, like I can't, I don't read well, so I should practice. And he practices reading and uh, he's doing it in bed with with Adrian and they're laying down in bed. And he's, I, I don't even know, I don't even remember what the book is that, that he's reading. But uh, he goes... Um, uh, Adrian is listening to him and, and she looks bored out of her mind, but she's being a good wife and listening to him being a good partner. And she goes, you read nice. And he goes, thanks. And then he realizes that she's kind of just being a good partner. And he goes, you lie nice. And she goes, thanks. I, I always get a kick out of that. It, it's, it's, it's in a time of the movie that I'm not really a big fan of, but I am a fan of that. Scene. Yeah, and it, it, it's just a funny little scene. And it, it also it just kind of shows how they're beginning to, to develop trust in each other. And, you know, they have that kind of relationship where they can, uh, they can, they can, kind, of, they can kind of poke, poke fun at, you know, their, their weaknesses as well. So this next scene, I think is may you know Burgess Meredith as as the Mickey character has many great scenes but when it comes to like just acting and timing and silence and using um and and it's shot in in a fantastic way where it's mostly dark uh and and so uh part of this scene is that uh you know Rocky he wants to fight again and He's he goes to Mick. He goes to the gym. He's got a I guess he's got a um, a key to the gym, and Mickey lives on top of the gym in a small room. And Rocky basically asks Mick for his locker. Now it, it is late uh, from what it seems. Mick uh, is worried that it's possibly a burglar, and it, like I said, it's dark, so he can't really see who it is. And then he hears the voice of Rocky, and he realizes that it's Rocky. And so Rocky is basically asking Mick for uh, his locker back. He wants he wants to fight again. And Mick's like, you know, why would you want to fight again? You shocked the world and took the champion like to the very limit. And Rocky says, well, maybe we can do better. And then Mick goes, well, maybe we can do worse. And so there goes there goes a uh, a discussion about Rocky's eye in that first fight. His his right eye is so damaged. Obviously, we saw that he had to have surgery on it. And Mick is really worried that Rocky will not be able to see any left hands coming in, into the fight. So he does this little trick where he takes his his right hand and he brings it into vision. Rocky's left eye is great, so Rocky can see it really quickly. And then he goes, "Okay, now what about the other one?" And so he he brings the left hand over in to see Rocky's supposed to tell him when he can see it. And Rocky doesn't say anything until it's literally in front of his face. So he can't see it at all. 
And as the viewer, as us watching the movie, it is sort of, it's dark. It's a dark setting. So we can't really see Mick's finger uh, perfectly either. So it's really, it's a really nice trick to get the viewer to kind of be in Rocky's shoes a little, a little bit. And then, um, you know, Rocky finally says that he sees the finger and Mick's like, no, you didn't see anything. You know, he's like, imagine Apollo's, you know, left hooks coming at your face. And so Rocky gets really mad. He's like, you know, you know, everyone, everyone's told me to get a prime and finally I get a prime and now they're telling me I can't have one and I got to retire. And Mick has finally heard enough of it. And he throws a slap from his left side that just crushes Rocky in the side of the face. And Mick uses that to say, look, I'm an old man. You couldn't even see that coming. Get out of the way. What is what? What's Creed going to do to you? And at that point, Rocky realizes that Mick is actually correct. Now, I said all of that to then say this, which is if the fight, I mean, if the movie happens in that Rocky cannot fight, this is like maybe the most impactful scene in, in Rocky history. But we know that Rocky goes on to fight and then he fights in several other Rockies and the eye is generally okay. So maybe it's not as impactful because of how the story went, but as a scene, like this is the one where if Rocky two is on and I know this scene is coming, I'm going to wait. And, and before I change the channel, even though I've seen this movie 35 times. Yeah. yeah like I, I love that part of, you know, where Mick just like Mick and Rocky are discussing how the first fight w- went. And, you know, Rocky's cu- they're kind of discussing, Oh, can we do better or worse next time? And Mick is kind of just, you know, he's trying to get through to Rocky. He's like, look, you had your your happy ending. You had what, like, n- most fighters don't get. You got a ch- chance to fight for a world title. You shocked the world. And, like, the chances of you doing as well as you did again are minuscule. You know, he did. He wanted them to leave on that high note that, like, f- few fighters get. I t- t- thought that was, like, really powerful. And it's, it's kind of the, mo- the type of thing you you would want to see from a manager and a, and a trainer. You want to see guys who lo- look after fighters. And that's what Mick is doing in this scene. He's, he's thinking, like, I don't want to see this guy go out there and just get obliterated after, like, you know, he, he's got, put a nice gloss on the end of his, his career. I don't want to see him go out there and, like, you know, undo all that good work and like the last the last memory people have of him is just being knocked out by Apollo quickly and you know I think the other part of that which I think is is really good is you know after uh, Mick kind of tells Rocky you know he's done he doesn't have have a he doesn't have any more time left in the ring you know Rocky asks can he you know help out at the gym because he needs he needs work and you see in this that even though Mick has been really tough on Rocky a lot in the in in this first film and a half, um, you see there is like he is looking out for him at the same time because he's you can see like he's like he talks to Rocky and he's saying like, look, you don't want to be here, you know, carrying a spit bucket and cleaning up after the other fighters. You want to be here as a fighter, and he he knows you know that will be dispiriting for Rocky, you know, having come to the gym all those years and being like you know with the other fighters to be like to be uh, he doesn't want to see him like where the other fighters are looking up looking at him, looking down at him as just like a helping hand, and uh, you know he he knows that's not the that's not the life Rocky wants. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that Apollo and Duke have a similar scene. It's not exactly the same, but it is similar in the sense of what you said about having the rematch. Like, why does Rocky want the rematch? Well, 
he's realized that he is much better at as a fighter than than he ever thought he was and that he finally dedicated himself and he's probably thinking like if i continue to dedicate myself maybe i can actually be better than this fight and on the flip side apollo wants rocky back in the ring so badly because people are uh, the the public perception is that maybe apollo himself is not as good as we thought he was. And his own trainer, Duke, is basically telling him, in the same way that Mick is telling Rocky, why do we want to fight this guy again? He is all wrong for us, and it is, uh, you know, it is dangerous to get back in with somebody who uh, fights like Rocky does. So the the, the next scene, my, my fourth favorite scene here, is when... Apollo in you know he's he's in his suit he's with his he's with his uh, his management team um he's with he's with Duke they're trying to find uh, another opponent for him and uh, he's not he doesn't want to hear about it he wants Balboa and so you know Apollo says what did you what did you think about the decision or what did you think did you think I won and and Duke looks at him and sort of sheepishly goes you got the decision. Now I say, let's go after some new meat. Forget this bum. You think I beat him the last time, do you? Hmm? You got the decision. Man, I won, but I didn't beat him. And Apollo, that, that just proves Apollo's point, which is I got the decision, but that doesn't mean that I won. And so to him, he has to prove to himself that he is the champion that he believes that he is. And that's when he puts the full court press on publicly in, in buying ads in the newspaper to force Rocky back in the ring. And uh, he literally says, hey, if I have to be the bad guy here, I'm fine with that. I just need to get what I want. I also think it's, it's a little bit of a flip of, of, of the, the third scene that I like, but it is very similar in the trainer fighter mentality. Yeah, and a lot of what I like about this again is it, it shows Duke, as we said in the first, in the, the first film, to be the, be the the smartest, most perceptive guy in the room. Like you know, he sees the danger in this fight, and you know, initially he's trying to sell it to Apollo. It's like, oh, this guy got lucky. He, you know, he he, he drew the winning lottery ticket type thing. You you you'd outclass him if you fought again. And Apollo, like knowing Duke, kind of sees through that straight away. And the question he asks is, he says, what are you afraid of? And, you know, Duke then comes clean. He's like, this guy's all wrong for us. We we dodged a bullet first time. Why are you going back to this? No, Nobody's going to think any less of us if we don't go back to this. Move on and forget it. And, you know, it, 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 it does, again, the same way that Mick was looking out for Rocky. Duke is doing the same thing for Apollo. Absolutely. All right. What about your favorite scenes? Okay. Uh, a couple of other ones that I wanted to add to that. One of them, I know you're not as much a. F- I don't think you're as much a fan as this as the eye. <laughs> but like, I really like the scene where, you know, Mick and Rocky are watching the fight footage back, and they realize they need to come up with a game plan, and. You know, they're kind of looking at us. Rocky fought the best fight he could the first time around and he didn't get the job done. So they need to find something else. And they decide that they come up with the tactic to fight so far. And then, you know, to follow on from that is 
training Rocky to be a Southpaw. And that, this is something we see throughout the rest of this series is, you know, they need to add a new a new tool to Rocky's arsenal each time for him to win. It just becomes part, part of the, the Rocky lore. And, you know, this one is about a little teaching of quickness and a teaching of Southpaw. And it also just kind of leads to my favourite of all wacky rocky training scenes where he's chasing the chickens um which you know this this kind of pays off in a joke in creed like you know whatever 30 years later but like i just really i really liked i really liked just you know the the fact that you know rocky you you do see rocky and mick mick sitting down to assess the fight and come up with a come up with a strategy strategy to get the job done yeah, we'll ha- we'll have more about this and why they did this, possibly why they did this in the uh, in the relevant facts portion of this show. Um, and but though the part that I do like, the part that I do like before I cut you, I sorry, I cut you off, is um, whenever they like it, it's sort of like a meta thing, but whenever they look at footage of a previous version of Rocky, so in this case they're rewatching the first fight, and then in the first Creed. Adonis Creed dials up the YouTube version of this fight, the Balboa and Creed 2. And obviously, it's it's just footage of the movie version of each fight, which is not a full fight. But I always would get a kick out of that. You know, they'll do it in, in Rocky 3 as well, where they, they rewatch Rocky, the Rocky 2 fight. And I just get a kick out of it because it's so meta and it's like they're analyzing something that they created in a different movie. I always get a kick out of that. Um, yeah, and the other one uh, that I, I really like is the scene. Like, I think probably what carries this film more than anything is the interactions between R- 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 Rocky and Mickey. And this is another one. It just, um, you know, R- Rocky is a- at the church um, while while Adrian is sick, and M- Mickey comes to talk to him. And, you know, he empathizes with Rocky's situation. You know, he's supportive of him. And he's just kind of, he's, but he's also kind of just t- trying to get through to Rocky. He's like, you have a chance that very few fighters get. Like, in your career, most people would never expect you to get a sh- sh- shot at the world hall. You're getting a second, second bite of the apple now. And, you know, whatever you want to do, this is up to you. Like, but you're not, you're not going to get this ch- chance again. Like, he doesn't want Rocky to to let this, this opportunity slip by him and uh, go on to regret it for the rest of his career. But at the same time, he's kind of, he's supportive in it. He's like, whatever you decide to do, do this is in your hands. Like, and he's like, if you, want to, if you want to blow it, I'll blow it with you. If you want to sit here and wait, I'll sit here and wait with you. And I do think that's just kind of the bonding moment between Rocky and Mickey that kind of builds what we see in the, in the mentor role throughout the rest of the film, throughout the rest of the series, where, you know, Rocky has that admiration and respect for me. Because up until this point, it had always been kind of quite confrontational. And I think this is where Rocky sees that, you know, Mick really is there for him. Yeah, absolutely. Is, it, is, that, is, that, uh, is that it for... Yeah, yeah that, 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 those, you covered off my other favorite ones, I think. Okay, so now we'll go to favorite quotes, and some of these, you know, like I, like I've mentioned, the the dialogue is often really just punchlines and and trying to uh, make Rocky uh, charming in, in in a sense. So these are funny little 
little lines that I really enjoy. Uh, they're a little corny, but I still get it. I still get a kick out of them whenever I see them uh, on the movie. Okay, so the first one is when he is about to get out of the hospital, and he has to sign. He has to start signing autographs, and the nurse says, "Can you sign an autograph for my son?" And he's like, "Sure." So she says, "Can you make it out to Charlie Flynn, my good friend?" And so he writes it. And he's like Charlie Flynn, and then he gives it to her, and he says, "In, in his it, to himself after she leaves, to Charlie Flynn." my good friend to my good friend charlie flynn who i don't even know and like it's so it's so silly but i think what he is realizing is that part of fame is there's a lot of pretending there's a lot of um being someone who you might not be and you know we see athletes go through this a lot where you know, even, uh, you know, if you are not seen in, as an athlete, as like this person who will go to hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of signing autographs, somebody will speak badly of you if you did like a lot of, uh, you know, several hours. You, you, didn't do, you didn't sign that last autograph, now you're a bad person. So he's starting to see that there's a, a little bit of, um, I don't even know what you call it, but it, it, it's sort of like a, a, you have to sort of lead a little bit of a fictional uh, life as a celebrity and he's a small time celebrity celebrity but this introduces to him like what this really is uh so the uh the second favorite quote and this might be like my favorite silly quote of the whole franchise but after he gets married tony uh gazzo goes over to him and says hey you know you you want to invest in condominiums and Rocky goes, condominiums. And he like contemplates like for a second and a half, like he, he does give it like a real thought. And then he has to tell Tony, like he's got to be honest. He's like, condominiums, I never use them. And, you know, when I'm 10 watching this movie, I don't understand what he's talking about. But there's that aha moment when you like are like a teenager and you're like, oh, the whole time, this is why that joke is so funny. So that is uh, that is one that that is that that's got to be one of my favorite lines of the whole franchise. Okay, so uh, Rocky is in the <clears throat> he's in the interview chair. He's interviewing for jobs, and the guy, uh, the boss, says, "Do you have a criminal record?" And Rocky goes, uh, nothing worth bragging about." As if he, you know, he, Rocky, you're supposed to say no. Like no matter what, you're supposed to say no, Rock. Nothing worth bragging about. Uh, and uh, Apollo Creed. Um, when he is uh, when he is talking about the the second fight, and someone says, uh, someone tells him that they thought the fight was a draw, and he goes, "That's your opinion, and you're entitled to it." You don't know how many times I have used "That's your opinion, and you're entitled to it." I've used that and uh, Bobby Brown's "That's your prerogative" or "That's my prerogative." It just in arguments, just in having arguments with people and and having debates. That's your opinion, and you're entitled to it. Has come up many times in my lifetime, so I like to I like to claim that one. Uh, when uh, they're doing the press the press conference for to announce the fight. One of the reporters asked Rocky if they, he has anything derogatory to say about the champ. And again, just like the uh, condominiums line, he thinks about it for a good second and a half. Like, huh, derogatory, derogatory, derogatory. And then he, he's got something. He goes, yeah, he's great. Just uh, bumbling, you know, Rocky Balboa. 
so the next two uh, are actually the next three. Uh, my final three uh, are are Mick and uh, partially Mick. Uh, the the scene that you're that you talked about earlier, where they chase the chicken. Um, the whole idea is for Rocky to to have grease lightning speed, and as Mick is thinking about what he's going to turn Rocky into, which is this tank, like this greasy fast tank, the way that he explains it to Rocky is. You're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. I've also heard that one many times in my life. People uh, stealing some of Mick's lines there. Uh, The uh, second to last one is, you know, we mentioned the coma. And when Adrian finally tells Mick or finally tells Rocky that he needs to win for her, you see Mick in the background going what are we waiting for and he's so jazzed up and then rocky has this smile on his face and it's like that that is the line that really sets the movie off like if you if you are someone who is only in into rocky for watching the training montages and the fights like you probably don't watch rocky 2 until you hear well what are we waiting for because that's where it kicks off listen i've been thinking if you don't want me mixing with Creed no more, we'll make out some other kind of way, you know? There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! And then the last one is in the 15th round of the fight against Apollo. Mick tells him, you got to go back to fighting left-handed. And Rocky's like, no, no tricks, no tricks. And he's like, look, you're getting killed out there. And Rocky looks at him and he goes, it's my life. And that, I, I, lo- I love that one too. That, that's, a, that's a good, they, they often in, um, especially in, in three as well, they have some good comedic banter back and forth. And that, that's a good one. What about you? Uh, yeah, uh, my first one is, you know, in, in that scene where Mick and Rocky are assessing uh, the footage from the first fight, um, Mick says, the odd out- outlaw southpaws, they do everything wrong. And he says, why didn't you tell me this before? I said, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> Amazing. I love um, that. Yeah, the other one is the one you already mentioned is Apollo's l- l- line of, um, you know, do, do you think I, I beat him? And uh, he said, and Duke says, you got a decision. I says, I won, but I didn't beat him. Right, right. Yes. No, that's that, that like, and, and, and look, you know, the first film, we've talked about this um, in the first film, which is the first film is so meaningful and it seems like it is sort of meticulously put together and the second one is not as much but it it's it does try to be more like the first film but when you when the end result of this movie is that rocky wins the the second fight you, 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 there's less of the symbolism and stuff of the first film but there are lines like that which give you insight in because it's just you know sometimes you watch movies and you're like there's there's no depth to whoever the apollo creed is of, of whatever movie the depth is all with the baby face but here like when i'm watching apollo creed i'm watching 
someone who I empathize almost as much with because I understand boxing and I understand, you know, how, you know, Muhammad Ali, I'm sure, uh, probably believes that uh, the Leon Spinks fight was kind of a joke. Like he didn't take it seriously. And, you know, the little man is, 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 you know, beating him. And he's like, okay, now I got to have the second fight just because I have to sort of wash this away because I'm kind of embarrassed. And so that's, that's what Apollo is. He's like, I have to rewrite this because I made a mistake earlier. And now I'm rewriting that wrong by having the second fight. I thought that, that, that those scenes with Apollo and in the in the first film, which we talked about, where he plays the 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 promoter and he's the marketer of the fight, those are just great scenes into the Apollo Creed character, but also how like how much of a presence Carl Weathers is on the screen. He's he's so good, and I don't he probably doesn't get enough credit, and he may believe this too because I've seen him talk uh, about the Rocky movies. Like he loves being a part of the thing, but. He knows what his place was, but I think he's, you know, imp- so impactful in in the scenes where he actually gets to act. Yeah, and it, it, it was such a huge part of this as well that you could sympathize with him because we, we when we come back for Rocky Three, you know, he is he is in the good guy corner. He's with Rocky, and he's a guy you have to identify with. So they had to they had to establish a character that you know. In this film, he knew his role was to play the bad guy, but it's somebody that you were you were able to ad- identify with, with with what he was going to as well as well as as, as well, what Rocky's battle was. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Another another one I love is uh, you know when Rocky is helping out at the gym with Vic. Vic's talking to one of the young fighters, and the young fighters hit, hitting the bag, and he's smiling, and Vic's saying, "You need a good snarl." And he, he gets Rocky to show him how to snarl uh, while he's hitting the bag, and he goes, "A good snarl can give you give you what the Bible calls a psychological edge." <laughs> I love that one. That that is so funny. Now, it's it's so funny because <clears throat> I've seen these movies so many times, and so like when I was putting together my quotes, I was like, "Okay, I got to get the ones that that I really like, really, really, really like." But I totally missed some, you know, like like that one. Like that one always makes me laugh. Yeah, and then and another one that, we, that you mentioned when you're recapping the film as well. I just I just always get a kick out of that. It's just like you you see like Apollo slating Rocky to, on on the TV and Mick's watching and he's getting madder and madder and Rocky's watching and he's getting madder and madder and then the next thing Mick's just at his door and you know as soon as he, he opens it he's just like I think we ought to knock his block off like the first, if he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't say hi nothing that's the first that's his introduction to him and then Rocky gives him an absolutely and then mm-hmm. pan to angry Adrian because she does not, uh, she's not, in, she's not into this. Yeah, and then I think the last one was just like, you know, as you said, there's kind of the banter back and forth at the pe- press conference. And, you know, one of the reporters asked Rocky, uh, do you think you have a chance this time around? And he goes, I don't know. He looks pretty mad. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and that's... Um, I think that version of Stallone, he he channels the Rocky One character probably best in that scene because you I don't know if you noticed this but like he has trouble looking at the camera again like he's really shy in the room like it's it's this like big event and Apollo is pissed 
he probably is a little worried about his own second chance. So he's got like this look in his eyes, which is a little shy, a little nervous. And that line perfectly projects like that, how he's feeling. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Okay, now let's move on to talk about the training montage and the fight scene and uh, the music as well. And you mentioned Conti earlier. He also was not sure he was going to do the second movie. He and Avildsen, from what I gather, were fairly close. And he said that uh, he didn't really understand it. Now, I, I, the, I, I saw some quotes. I don't know the context of the quotes. I, I wondered if he, he just thought, you know, we did such a great thing with the first movie. Why do we need to come back? Uh, but the, the music in the second film, uh, especially in the beginning with the, with the scene in the, with the ambulance, and then in the end, after the fight where Rocky and Mick, you see their, their shot just freeze, and then they play the credits, those pieces of music are way more dark or uh, moody or whatever the right term is than a lot of the music that we've seen from the first film. Did you get the same feeling from, from the, the, second, the soundtrack from the second film? Yeah, the, the soundtrack, I think, you know, even though they use a lot of the same pieces of music as were, were popular in the first film, the tone of them is just very different. It's got, it gives a very different emotional vibe to it. Um, you know, and I think one of the things about it was that, you know, Bill Conti first time was w working on a shoestring budget. He had to make do with what he had this time you know they had they had a big successful hit so they were they were able to bring in more musicians that you know they, they had this whole orchestra and they made that sound just that little bit bit bigger um it's a different feel to it i'm not sure that i like it as much in this film as i did in the first one you know as i said uh you know they go through two two different uh training montages uh back to back you know you get you get firstly the um, going the distance training montage, which is kind of his main. You know, you, see, you it, like it's your classic Rocky training montage. You're seeing all these, uh, you know, heroic exercises, and the second one, which is the gonna fly now montage, is more just Rocky running around the city. It's very inspired by what he did in the first film, but. It, but this time you've got a load of kids following him. You know, it's it's showing that Rocky's kind of caught on as a little bit of a, a as a local hero. Yeah, and uh, you know, even even those th those very familiar songs, he kind of redid them a little bit to make them a little bit bigger, a little bit more grandiose. And you're right about the budget thing because the first film, the budget of the first film was one million, and the budget of the second film, which I'm sure I'm sure Stallone took. Uh, a pretty good chunk of was seven million. So I think the quote was that Conti was, uh, said that they just told him to like do whatever he wanted or or do everything or something like that. So he had a lot more to work with. So uh, you mentioned about the the montages, the the training is is very interesting because not a lot of people were lifting weights for boxing back then. And, and I mentioned that Muhammad Ali piece with Roger Ebert. That's the part that stood out for Ali. He's like, nah, you're not supposed to do that stuff. It just tightens the muscles and it's just not good for you at all. And just to think of like, now, 
it's not to say boxing uh, boxers are weightlifters today, but they definitely do utilize weight training and uh, weightlifting and strength training. And then uh, a little bit of a crossover to our previous series, um, we talk a lot about this with Ray Leonard in w- w- within the later part, like you know, in those that eighties period of his career when he did start to move up the weights. You know, we heard like Emmanuel Stewart and people like that saying, "What's Ray do- doing missing all those weights?" <laughs> yeah, the people are trying to say he's on steroids too. <laughs> well, there was also that. <laughs> um, um, and so, uh, but but like you said, he he does do the throwback to the old school training as well. You see him put like a a two by four on the back of his neck and do like some jump squats. Which God, that can't that can't be great for you. But that's what he was doing. He's doing pull ups, um, and then and then and then the weight training he's doing. You see, he's doing flies, bent over uh, flies, and that when we talk about like the best montages. Um, some, you know, some of the films like Rocky three and Rocky four, especially the, the montages are almost the best part of of like the entire film. I really like this one though, because it still shows him as uh, he's still got that like underdog mentality about who he is as a fighter. And you see him so hungry. And this actually plays very well into Rocky three. Because Rocky Three is all about he has lost the eye of the tiger, he's lost the edge. And it is very clear in Rocky Two, once Adrian gives him the okay, he is a maniac and he is training so hard here to win this fight. I just really liked the the shots of him running. Cause you know, we talked about two. There there is this the second one is uh after he fit they finished the first montage and then he has his child in 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 the crib and like he does like a very poor job of of wrapping the child in a blanket by the way you that do not wrap your your in your infant or your newborn in, in a blanket based off of rocky um so then he shuts the door and then the second one just out of nowhere and then he starts his very memorable run in the streets of Philadelphia and we'll talk about sort of the facts of that run uh in, in a little bit and then that's kind of like so it's almost like it's 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 interesting from a um uh, an emotional standpoint from as you're watching the film because you're so fired up for him to fight and then you see him with the child and you're like okay like the fight is about to happen now and they're like nope we're going to take you on another ride and he's going to run and he's going to hurdle park benches and there's going to be hundreds of kids following him and he's going to run so fast that this woman riding a bike next to, uh, in the same frame like he's running faster than she's riding and then he goes up those steps and you know that that's become like a, an iconic thing is for him to get up those steps to uh to to get to the top and and that's how that's when he knows that he feels great about himself when he can do that so just it's one of my favorites um I think I've ranked them before. I'll have to go back and read how exactly how I rank them. But this is uh, for for a movie that is probably other than uh, five and six. It is probably the, the, the one that is least talked about, but I still really love the montages. Um, I think what also works in this one as well is that this time you have Apollo as really the as as an opponent to Rocky, as opposed to you know Rocky in the first one was more his own opponent. Um, this time you you see Apollo's focused on the job, and you see him, 
you know, knocking guys out and stuff like that. And that's kind of uh, a formula they'd they'd repeat through the rest of the films, uh, where it's like, okay, you see Sly doing all these hardcore training exercises, but you all see, like, this is what he's up against. So it's built kind of more like uh, a classic fight promotion, which, mm-hmm. you know, I like that. I like that aspect of it too. So now we go to the fight... Apollo is no nonsense. If you if you look at the Apollo from Rocky One, where he's uh, all smiles and he's wearing the George Washington wig and he's treating it much more like a show than he is an actual boxing match. This time he has completely changed his tune. He is so serious. He's um, like just he wants to he, he to him the the way that he proves himself that he is the champ that he thinks he is, he needs to take Rocky out in two rounds. Like that's, that's going to be like the defining moment for him. And this fight is, I like the beginning of it because it shows Apollo's very, uh, that, that he's just worlds and a class and a half above Rocky as a boxer. And again, Rocky fights right-handed, so he's he's all out of sorts, especially in the beginning. And Apollo looks like he's going to murder Rocky in the first round. Like, I, I, the, the, you know, that's like the... That's that's like the most one-sided first round of boxing I've ever seen that didn't end in a knockout. Like, he just destroys this guy. Um, and even throughout the fight, it is very clear that Apollo is just racking up the points. I think they say that Rocky does win one round that, that they do point out. So let's say, even if he, may, may, we'll give Rocky two or three rounds, it's still like a 11 to three going into the final round. But both of these guys are so tired and in such bad shape. Um, the referee is useless in this film. Like Apollo's like holding the rope. Uh, Rocky, the way that Rocky gets Apollo into the corner because he can't really catch him is he just kind of grabs him and shoves him and pushes him into the corner. Like just a flat out two glove shove. Um, Apollo like hits him with like four right hands after the bell's already rung in, in one of the rounds. So referee's pretty useless here. Uh, and by, basically by the 12th round, Rocky looks like he's going to pass out. Like I have no idea how he stays on his feet for the last three rounds. Apollo's won the fight on points. Tony or Duke is, is in the corner just saying, like, you don't need to, to, to continue to stand toe-to-toe. You just need to move, and, and, and you've won the fight. And in, in Rocky IV, one of Apollo's nicknames is the Dancing Destroyer, but he does not dance. He does not stay away. He has to knock Rocky out for his own legacy and to prove to himself that that first fl- fight was just a fluke. And on a flip side to Rocky, after he gets knocked down a couple times in, in the first uh, in the first, I think it was the first two rounds, he's just like, no, I'm not I'm not going down anymore. And so he has to prove to himself that he's just not going to fall. And he's going to he's going to, again, stay be on his feet by, by the, the end of the fight. And then you have the famous double knockdown. Apollo looks like he's going to get up. He is almost near his feet, and then they get to nine, and he just collapses in the corner. The real Marianne Creed, not the fake one from Creed 1 and 2, uh, though she, she is a really good actress. I love Felicia Rashad. Uh, she screams as Apollo falls in the corner. 
The referee says 10 and Rocky is up. I still wonder if he beat the count, but um and the, and then and then that's how that's how the fight ends. So what was your take on this really like from a choreography standpoint? Like even though I know the first fight they spent so much time putting together, this one is like twice as long and so I can't imagine, you know, just the drawing out of it and the practicing and everything. Like it seemed like such a big project for them to do. Yeah, they used a lot of the same formula as they did the first time around. You know, you get the first couple of rounds and then, uh, like, you know, almost, almost like their full rounds. And then they move into kind of the highlights package version and then come back for the, for, for the finish. Um, one thing, like, okay, firstly, one thing I noticed in this is they're clearly fighting for the Ring Magazine title in this. Did you spot that? I did not. Yeah, it's it's clearly the ring belt. That's the, that's the title they're fighting for. I, I, I just I just thought that was an interesting one. Um, and I guess also the other thing is that I've heard Sloan say he thinks this fight is far far superior than the first one. Um, and I'm kind of intrigued by your thoughts on because I did not. I think this is kind of one of the wackier fights out of all the Rockies. I do like it and I think it's dramatic, but I thought like you know. As like kind of a boxing guy, I liked the first one a lot, be- a lot, lot better, a lot more grounded. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So I will say that it is it is long, and because it's long, you have to really suspend disbelief because, like I said, by the twelfth round, any referee stops the fight, and Ali says that with uh, with Roger Ebert too. He's like, you know, the second Stallone's eyes start to close, like they're they're going to stop the fight. So you you really, really, really have to suspend disbelief. The other thing you have to suspend disbelief about, though, is the entire movie is about how Rocky can't see out of his right eye. And so the, the thing that you're thinking about, at least I was thinking about, was every time he gets hit in the face and his eyes start swelling up, I'm just like thinking like, oh, my God, this guy's done. Like, he's absolutely done. And um, so, you know, they're, they're, it's probably... They should have probably cut out uh, a chunk of it because there's a lot of slow motion stuff in here too with the really super dramatic music. Um, you know, you just get you just see Rocky's face like move in slow motion. The overall, I I enjoy the high parts of it more than I enjoyed the first film just because of the the drama. But you know, as an entire package, it's like ten. It's like if the first fight was like. 10 minutes of film time this one's like double so there's going to be a little bit a, a little bit of uh a couple of things that i probably wouldn't have shown necessarily because they get from from not beat up to severely beat up so fast and so they're just like done for like the last three rounds and it, and it really and i think it's the the 14th and the 15th they can both barely stand up so again you have to really suspend disbelief on this one yeah one of the things i do, do like about it is you know they switched up the flow of the fight a, a lot this time you know Apollo is largely just like beating the brakes off Rocky early in this you know it's a complete change of script from the last time and you know like you can they make it clear from the audio clips of the commentators saying like you know Rocky's behind in the cards you know he's 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 way out of this fight he needs to, to knock it which I like that aspect of it and the other thing I like about it is even though it's a bit of a wacky finish 
I like that they just always in all of these movies they come up with some way to keep it keep it fresh you know keep it in in a new finish each time around and this was like I just thought a really creative ending to the fight you know Rocky beating up by one second and of course it would uh, be ripped off by every last man standing match WWE <laughs> ever do for the rest of time <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, okay so um Let's actually get on to the questions that I have for you about this film, about the story of this film. Why is Rocky retired? Like, what? what is the... He's obviously still a young man. I, I know we have the eye issue. Did he have to completely retire? Could he have not taken some smaller fights against other competition as a source of income, when he is at the the beginning of, of a peak, peak period of earning actual money to support his family, why is it so conclusive at the end of that first film that he's just retired? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't normally see that in, in general, but like Adrian is very adamant, like, you know, you need to retire and there's no plan B. Like it's not like this dude has like Tons of options. Like he has zero options, really, except for the commercials thing. But but why do you, why is it so conclusive that he's retired? Yeah, I think it's like it it has to just be the health thing. Like they really play that up at the start of this film. Like I think the reporter asks him like when he's in the hospital, do you think you're brain damaged from this fight or something like that? Like it, it's very sensationalist. Um, but yeah, the uh, the other thing is like that I was thinking about there is like. You know, after Rocky's just had this heroic battle, right? And he goes back to the gym. It goes back. He finally gets back into the gym, and he's helping Mick out. He gets no respect from like the other fighters in in the gym. They're like, you know, mocking him and giving him grief. And after he's just given the world heavyweight champion hell, Rocky's getting getting no respect out of them. And I, I, I think that's like, you know, like these these jobbers just like giving him abuse. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so why all of a sudden, uh, after Pauly has asked Rocky to talk to Gazzo so many times in the first film, he asked him again, and it was almost like he asked him for the first time, and Rocky's like, oh, thinking about it. I was like, there, there, there seemed to be a little bit of a disconnect in the fact that Paulie had asked him so many times to the point that it made Rocky upset. And in the second film, he asked him once and, and like Brock's like, yep, I'll set, I'll set it up right now. Good to go. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure about that one either. And like, I guess my thought was maybe that it's like, Paulie needs something here because I'm not going to be fighting anymore. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that was my my only logic on that one, and you kind of have to turn around. But then Paulie's kind of doing all right for himself, and Rocky has to sell his car back to him, and that, and Rocky's got nothing. I think that's the story they're telling there. Okay, in the first movie, Gazzo and the uh, I don't I, I guess his his uh, his buddy, his his coworker, his colleague. I, I don't know if I ever knew what that guy's name was, um, but the guy that was always making fun of Rocky and busting his 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 uh, his balls. So in the first movie, the coworker tells Rocky, take her to the zoo as a way to make fun of Rocky uh, age. I did not pick up on that at all. <laughs> and Rocky gets so mad. He's so offended. And then when he proposes to Adrian, 
He proposes at the zoo. Is, is that supposed to be ironic? Like, did they not remember that part? That frustrated me. Yeah, I, I, I actually did not take it out at all when I was watching that. And it's, that's really interesting. And uh, I was watching with uh, with uh, Crystal, uh, my fiance, who, who we, you know, we just got engaged not too long ago. And the she got a kick out of the line where... Rocky's way of proposing was telling Adrian, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind marrying me too much. <laughs> the most passive aggressive proposal in the history. Okay, so, um, you know, we talked about this is hopefully this is the last time I, I will mention the uh, sexual chemistry between one uh, Talia Shire and Sylvester Stallone. We mentioned in the first film, you know, there's a scene that I was a little uncomfortable with. I wasn't as uncomfortable with this scene, but they get married and they are so nervous after they just got married. It was almost like that they had slept together for the first time. And I was wondering, do you think we were supposed to think that they had not slept together based on how nervous they were after they got married? Um, that is... I, I actually don't know on that one. I was kind of of the opinion that like they were showing you that they had slept together in the first film. But And the only reason I thought about that is because if we look at the time frame, because they get married so quickly. So just, just to give you, you know, this is uh, the Rocky Universe timeline, right? So on Thanksgiving, in uh, before his first fight with Creed, is when they meet. The first fight with Creed is January 1st. So November, late November, is when he goes out with Adrian for the first time. So the second fight with Creed is exactly on Thanksgiving again. So that whole time period is only one calendar year. So if we think that Adrian has to be pregnant for nine months, like they're literally... In, it goes from uh, November to February as to where before they got married or whatever. So that's like, what, four months, probably less. And about like three minutes of screen time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so in, in Rocky Two, we see uh, Marianne Creed. She actually has a line of dialogue. Apollo's getting all this hate mail and she's just trying to get him to like, Forget about it, right? Like, can't you go play with your kids? You know, they're running around. And so in this film, and, and the actress, her name is Sylvia Means. She plays uh, Marianne Creed in, in uh, through the fourth film. And obviously Apollo dies in the fourth film. She, she herself passed away in uh, 2011. Um, the, she has two kids. And if we do the math into the Creed universe, which is an extension of the Rocky universe, Adonis Creed actually has a stepbrother and a stepsister who are probably, I would assume, I don't know, eight to 10 years older than him. But in Creed, there's only Adonis and there's Marianne. No mention of stepbrother and stepsister. Where are stepbrother and stepsister in this Creed universe? Maybe, maybe that'll be the question that'll be answered in Creed 3. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's the, you know, the, you know, they're trying to get Michael B. Jordan to direct that movie to, in, as a way to bring him back for the third film. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So now, uh, only got three more questions for you. So 
Gazzo, uh, two times, asks Rocky to come work for him. And Rocky, uh, the first time, was in, in the church, and, and he didn't want to, uh, you know, he didn't want to be a leg breaker, as Mick would call him, or do any collecting while being married to, to Rocky. You know, I guess that meant uh, a, clean, a clean, uh, clean new life for him. But then when Rocky is cleaning up the, the spit at the gym, uh, Gazzo comes back again and is like, Rock, you know, come back and work for me. Like, is the gym an honest living so much more than collecting? It's a dishonest living because he's so adamant that Adrian will not be okay with this and that he is now a married man, so he has to change his life. But what, 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 it, like, what is it about that job? And maybe it's about his past and it, that's where he felt like he wasn't. Uh, a winner or whatever. And, and Mick calls that out. But what do you think about was the collecting thing? Like he just was so adamant just as much as Adrian was adamant about him boxing again, that he just could not, he he was not going to do it. I think I suppose in the first film, they kind of showed that he's reluctant to do it to begin with. And that maybe it's just like, you know, it's not in his heart. Yeah. Yeah. You um, gotta be a little it, bit more of a, like a, a, an angrier person or something. And with you know, less and, morals, I guess. And, and now when he's kind of, you know, he's in the next phase of his life where he's settled down, he's found a wife and, you know, he's going to be a father soon. I think maybe he just, he doesn't want that part of it anymore. Yeah, true. Um, There is one thing that I just, I did like about that scene when he's leaving and he looks up at the poster of Rocky and he says, remember that guy? Oh yeah. Like I'd actually forgotten about that until you said it there. And I just thought that was a really, really powerful scene. If I have a pet peeve about that scene, though, it's clearly the current version of Stallone with his new body, not the old version of Stallone from the first film. So I always, there's just always like little things about that because obviously, like in in Rocky Five, when they do the, the they do the throwback scenes with Mick, who has passed away, it is of rock like a super jacked up Rocky. He's all buffed out, which he was never in, in those first few. So I always thought I always thought it was always funny when they do stuff like that because I'm like, oh, you didn't think of that before because you know you're doing this movie now. You didn't think you're going to need that. Okay, so last thing for me here is uh, I think I said I had three. I only had two. This referee. Should he get his license taken away from being a referee forever? Like, does he referee another fight ever again? Um, I would hope not. I think this is the worst display of um, officiating we see compared to Rocky films. I don't think there is a worse. Maybe that first fight with Spider Rico that was that was pretty <laughs> bad. But um, I don't know if we after this we see a, a, a worse job of officiating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, was there anything that you wanted to bring up before we move on to uh, the kind of the behind-the-scenes fact stuff? Uh, no, I've got a few things in the behind-the-scenes that I like to talk about, so let's move on to those. Okay, so uh, this is an interesting one, and probably only for hardcore boxing fans to even notice. But did you notice the kind of heavy bag that Rocky was hitting in his uh, downstairs gym uh, when he was working out and, and trying to get Adrian to let him fight again. Uh, no, what, what was it? It was a Cleto Reyes bag. Okay. Yeah, so the Mexican, you know, the, the Stallone has a, 
um, he, he really loves that brand. He talks with the gloves often and, and stuff. So I, I thought that was nice. I didn't like, I didn't realize that that brand of boxing equipment goes all the way back to like the 1920s. So nice little, you know, kind of thing that I was paying attention to. So as a callback to our fabulous four, Roberto Duran is in this movie. Yes, he is. As a sparring partner who's like running circles around Rocky trying to catch trying to catch him. And and I guess the now again, a lot of what Stallone says is, is a little bit over the top, but he says that that uh Duran actually did like hit him a few times and he really felt Duran's power. And and Duran in, in real life is, you know, fighting uh by nineteen seventy nine, he's still fighting um, you know, uh, welterweight, I guess, and Stallone is supposed to be a heavyweight, so it's kind of interesting to to have Duran in the I ring. I think Duran would still be lightweight. Um, oh, it, still it, lightweight because um, he wouldn't have fought Leonard yet. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but, but just to pick up on that, uh, so he like the Leonard fight was nineteen eighty. Um, like Duran at that stage, he would have been starting to get a bit of a name in America. He was doing quite a few fights in Madison Square around that time. Uh, but like you know, he wouldn't have been. A, I wouldn't have said he would have been a huge uh, mainstream star yet. Um, so I think think that was interesting. I know, like you know, at that around that that same time, you know, uh, we talked about last time that you know Raging Bull was shooting at this time, and I know that he was hanging around with De Niro a lot at that time. They were playing baseball together. We talked about that a bit on the Fabulous Four. I think on this one, it was just a case of like. He went for a bit of a break out to LA to train and Sly was hanging around the gym and they hit it off and they decided to ca- cast Roberto in the movie. They got got on with each other. And the way Roberto tells it is kind of the same way as Sly tells it. So there's a bit of, maybe a bit of truth to it. In his book, he, Roberto says, like, you know, just to keep him honest, he hit him a few, a few good shots <laughs> um, to let him know, like, you know, uh, it, 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 like what boxing was all about and like you know Sly took him aside and said something like Roberto I know you're a boxer but I'm an actor so he's off a little bit type of thing and yeah somebody from a different walk of life would have a very similar story to that in the next film uh, about, about his interactions with Sly um, we, we'll come to that later but yeah I, I did think that was just a, a fascinating l- l- little thing to have Duran in this and like I was kind of looking how the dates lined up and, you know, Rocky came out, I think, on the 17th of June and the Duran Palomino fight was in Madison Square Garden the, the 22nd of June, the next week. So uh, for, I wonder if that gave uh, Roberto a little bit of a, a, a bump, bump for that. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um, and, and And so I wonder if he... I'm sure he probably gets some sort of royalty from it because I'm going to talk about another cameo that was in this movie, which is uh, TV broadcaster Brent Musburger. He interviews Apollo Creed in the one scene that kind of sends Rocky and Mick both into the idea that maybe fighting Apollo again would be a good thing, even though Mick was very adamantly against it just uh, a couple of scenes prior. So Brent, Mersberg, Brent Musburger on, uh, I think it was in a podcast or something on, uh, on one of the football websites, uh, he says that Stallone ran down the plot and the whole idea was to have a sports cast built in it to try and bring Rocky back from his retirement and to fight Apollo Creed again. 
So I said, that's great. Do you have the script? And he, I think he meant Stallone, said, we don't have a script. I just want you to do a sports cast of how you believe it would sound. I said, let me give it a shot. I'm thinking they'll give me 15 to 20 minutes of takes here and we can get something up that, you know, that's up there. I start out and I do it and I thought there's going to be a take two. And he says, cut. That's great. We really appreciate that. And I said, that's all you need. And that was it. It was one take off the top of my head. And to this day, Musburger still gets periodic royalty checks for his contribution to the film. Th th that's really cool. And, you know, he, he obviously he completely nailed it as well. Yeah. So we talked about Avildsen and there is uh, I've seen three different reasons as to why he did not direct the second film. I will read the one that comes from his documentary. So he said that he had been dating a woman who worked as a screenwriter, and he decided to make a movie called Slow Dancing in the Big City after the, uh, after the original Rocky. He said the movie went nowhere, and he did not stay dating the woman, but that was the reason why he passed on the sequel. He said, in retrospect, I should have said yes, and we could have made Slow Dancing after that, but anyway, I wasn't that smart, and it didn't happen. You said uh, that... I think you said, uh, what, uh, Saturday Night Fever. The, the story I've heard and the story they tell in the Rocky documentary is that he was off to make Saturday Night Fever, which I think he got cut from after like two or three weeks on the job. But that was the reason why he w wasn't available for, for Rocky 2. So Saturday Night Fever comes out in 77. So just a year after... Rocky, but it does come out in late 77. So I wonder if Stallone possibly wanted, uh, you know, wanted him much sooner than he was able to. I, I don't really know. And, and, and this is, you know, the, this is something that I've, like I said, I saw a couple of different stories about um, the Bill Conti story is the same one that you just said that he, he believes it was Saturday Night Fever. So, you know, just from a timeline perspective, I guess i can sort of see it but um like i, I guess you'd look at the, you could look at it in the perspective that you know what i was talking about on the last episode where they were talking about you know the producers were looking at getting raging bull made and they were all ready ready as a, as a, you know as a tease to, to, to get funding for that they were teasing out rocky 2 as an option so yeah. maybe they were trying to get the bits and pieces in place early on that and, you know, I think also another thing with this is like a lot of the cast, I you know, I don't think we're signed up to the sequel. Um, we talked about Paulie having lost a lot of weight. And, you know, that's because he initially wasn't like, you know, in his mind, he was done after one. And, you know, he, they obviously had to they had to obviously had to snap up this cast once again. And I think there's an issue with Talia Shire in that, in that, again, this is. This is like like the first one. There's an alternate ending where she is at the fight, and that footage is just lost to time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the reason why they decided initially that she wasn't going to be at the fight, and the way the way they wrote it that way, is that like it conflicted with her filming schedule. Yeah. She had another, another job on, and all her scenes were done at the the very very en end of filming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The um, and and I mean it probably. Because of that, it probably made her role a little bit lesser. 
Um, and then you 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 have the 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 scene of her being in a coma. So she's in the she's in that scene, you know, the however long that thing goes. But she's not really doing. It. She's laying there. So yeah, I mean, I, I you know that that is one of the things that I do wonder about this film is how much of the script was changed based on just things that happened. You mentioned Stallone tearing his pec. You you know this both of these with Talia Shire um, and, and 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 others. So. Very interesting uh, about that, and and I wonder, I mean, you know, no no one's gonna go to Stallone and ask him about a film from 1979, but those are kind of questions. Like I was like, ah, if I ever met the guy, I do, and who knows, who knows if he would even remember. Um, okay, so uh, Rocky's real life son is the uh, is the infant in the movie. His real life son, Sergio. And Sergio, when you when you do the search on him, there's not a lot of information out on on Sergio as there was with his other with his other son, Sage. Uh, at, at age three, Sergio um, was uh, was diagnosed with autism. So so that that's that's why we haven't heard a lot about Sergio. The, the, there's an interesting interview with Stallone from 1979 that's out there on YouTube with Barbara Walters. And Barbara Walters asks him about the divorce from his, from his wife, Sasha. And Stallone, it was interesting. He was a little... Like, Barbara Walters' whole thing is she tries to get people to open up. And he was just like... He's a little secretive about why they broke up, uh, and and um, you know because he did have he had the two kids with her, and he made it seem like it was his own like tireless you know his career and all that stuff. But I who who knows why they broke up. But that that's the only thing I was really able to find out about uh, about that marriage was from him from from his mouth. Uh, okay, so we talked about this already, uh, but the run at the end of the uh, second training montage, somebody tracked like how many miles that was based on where he ran, and they said it was about a 30-mile run, and there were 800 local kids that helped out with all of those scenes, uh, the running scenes. And again, Muhammad Ali was like, you know what? People are going to think that's fake, but when I would run, a lot of the kids would run with me when when they saw me running. And and you've and you've seen those those that footage of Ali running with kids behind him. Yeah, yeah. So that that was actually pretty cool. I like that part. Um, like you mentioned, the original ending was for Adrian to be in the ring. There's a, there's a photograph or two that I've seen with her kind of being carried out a little bit, like she's she's uh, on pe- people's arms. Um, but they changed the idea. And so they shot those scenes of her and Polly at home with the baby about three months after shooting had wrapped. Uh, we talked about him fighting right handed already the box office. So the first film does $117 million in the U S and 225 million worldwide on a million dollar budget. The second film has a $7 million budget and does 85 million and 200 million respectively. So not as uh, not a, as big a, of a film, both in uh, in profit and just in overall gross, but still pretty successful um, for for the time frame. 
Yeah, it, like I think it was the second highest gross, grossing film of that year, and you know it was a slightly bigger budget. But like, if you think about that budget, to, compared to most major studio films, it's still a, it's a pretty modest budget. And um, you know, I think at the time, you know, the the mindset was like there's going to be diminishing returns like on sequels like nowadays we get these franchises and they just get bigger and bigger each iteration you do it it, it draws more and more uh, back then I think there was very much the mindset of like okay you're getting a diminishing return this is going to do uh, this is going to do a lot worse than the first one did but we'll still make some good money off it I think like you know it, it I think it like everything they invested in it I think they made back easily in the first week and you know everything after that was profit so it was another hugely uh, overachieving film and you know this series would go on to follow that that, that in that vein for, for all of the movies really that like you know they'd come in with like not a lot of money put into them and they'd return much better than most people expected and the only one that doesn't is the fifth one and you know, for its own reasons, that movie's not very good, and and we'll we will definitely talk about why when we get there. But even the sixth film, which I think most people think was a little bit of a of a failure, it didn't gross a, a tremendous amount of money. But Rocky also did it on the cheap, so it actually did profit some. So the the other movies that uh, made more money than Rocky two in nineteen seventy nine are the first Superman with Christopher Reeve. The Amityville Horror, right behind Rocky, is uh, Star Trek and Alien and Apocalypse Now. So those are some pretty big hitters for, for 1979 there. Okay, so um, the uh, I already mentioned the, the storyline where Stallone himself is in a bit of like a redemption mode. Uh, in the interview with Roger Ebert, Stallone says, They all ask me. Will Rocky II save your career? And he says, is this my comeback? They want to know. Will it pull my career out of the toilet? I didn't think I was doing so bad. I've never made a film that lost money. If Rocky II was a comeback, I could have made it a lot more commercial. Like Rocky could have been an astronaut or something. So he's clearly like frustrated with what the perception is of him in his career in 1979. He also says that his ego, like he listened back to some of the interviews that he did, and I've read some of these interviews, and he comes off uh, a little bit more pompous than you would, uh, than you would think. He says that, um, you know, that he reads back those, he listens back to the tapes, and he's like, "Yeah, my ego's out of control," uh, and he was wincing at listening back. He does spec out to Ebert what Rocky Three would be, and we'll talk about that in the Rocky Three film when we in this section for for Rocky Three. But he kind of specs out to, to Roger Ebert at the at this time. And it's pretty close to actually what happens. Um, was there anything else uh, as far as uh, just facts? Yeah, just one thing I was going to mention there when you were talking about uh, per- the perception of Stallone. Stallone. It just kind of goes into my perception of him now. One of the things when I was looking up, which I didn't really realize on this, is he only has, even to this day, a handful of director credits outside of the Rocky series. I kind of just assumed that he directed a lot more than he has. Like he's, I think he's directed like 10 films or something like that. And like five of them are in this series. <laughs> and how many other are Rambo? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably like one or, one, or, one, or, one or two of them as well. And yeah, the other thing that, um, you know, the, what I'd heard 
said at the time was that the original plan was for this, like, in, in Stallone's mind, was for the, and this probably plays into what you were just saying, is he had an idea for Rocky Three, uh, was that there was only going to be a trilogy. Like, that, like he was, he, this was, a, like, you know, at this point he was looking at it, this is a, it's, it's, it's a three-act play, and the next one's the last one. Oh, you he, heard that? He clearly says in this interview with Roger Ebert that there will not be a Rocky Four. <laughs> he says it clearly. So yeah, he 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 was not. He did. He, and 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 I get it, right? Because if he believes that uh, he's only going to be successful with this franchise. He probably also thinks that it would limit him as an actor, and he's got a long career. I mean, you know, we're talking, this is 1979, and then Rocky III is 82. And he, you know, he still was a, was a fairly young guy. He was barely, uh, he would have been 35, I think, when Rocky III came out. So, yeah, I'm sure he felt that it was a, a little bit limiting to only be known for this one film. And, and I feel like, you know, this is kind of the end of the first chapter of this series we're going to do. I think, like, you know, this these first two ones, they're the Apollo Rocky saga. Um, and I get, I, I have the feeling, like, just looking back at, at it now, is that, like, the, what people must have thought at the time is, like, okay, we've seen what the Rocky story is now. You've done it twice. You've kind of... You, you, you tease out to finish the first time. The second time you've given him the title, where what are you gonna do next? And I feel I got the, I got the feeling that like they had to go in a very different direction uh, for the next one, and that is exactly what they did do. It's it's a massively different film. These next two films yeah. is kind of chapter two of this this series. I think there's there's, there's four part or there's gonna be four parts, but I think Rocky three and four are the two I would group together in a similar vein. And, um, you know, it, it was a departure from what we got here. It, um, and it, the pacing's ramped up a lot. It's, you know, but what they got out of this was uh, an enormous s- s- smash hit and I, I, in Rocky Three, And I think a lot of what people remember today as, like, you know, being those defining Rocky moments and those memorable Rocky moments actually come from Rocky three for a lot of people. Yeah. Rocky three is, you know, it's so funny because, uh, we, we won't give too much away, but that film is really the commercialization of the character of Rocky and how he loses sight of, of what the, the, you know, what the end goal is. And that is absolutely the thing for the franchise too. Like that, it, the, the the next two films, three and four, are the two biggest films globally for the franchise, and the, and so it it just erupts uh, in 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 a way that um, I'm sure he never thought of, because you know even even if you go back and he talks about the 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 Rocky character, like he you know we mentioned in the first film, he wants to do other things with ah oh, you know maybe Rocky will run for mayor and all these different things. He didn't really want it to be about the boxing part, but then he'll kind of double back and, 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 uh, contradict himself and say, well, I can't actually do these movies without the fight stuff. And so he does realize that at, at some point. Okay. I only have two other pet peeves that we did not already talk about. So this one is not even really a pet peeve. Uh, we have mentioned it, but it, it did make me wonder the greatest fighters to overcome severe eye injuries, Sugar Ray Leonard, 
Rocky Balboa, who else is on that list? Because when I was thinking of like, man, like how does this guy come back from this crazy eye injury? And I go, oh, Leonard. Leonard came back from the eye injury. I can't. I couldn't think of anybody else though. Yeah, like I, there's there's other guys who've had eye injuries and they've not. There's a lot of guys I can think of who've had eye injuries and not come back the same fighter, or you know, it's, that's been the end of end of their career. Um, yeah. I, can't, I can't really think of too many other successful c- comebacks. But I mean, this is this is if you are going to say, as far as the rest of this franchise, the rest of this Rocky universe. They kind of bring it back a little bit in Rocky Five, but they make it way more about concussions than about yeah. his eye. But you and, and, you and six, I think that's kind of where the, when he's going to get his license, I think that's more what they're worried about. Right, and 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 so if you want to enjoy three and four, which is fine because especially three is so enjoyable, you kind of have to overlook this eye thing, which was the the biggest piece of this movie. All right, the last pet peeve. This is kind of just a goofy one. So Rocky is showing up to the fight. He is late. And uh, Mick is pounding on the door waiting for him, thinking, I wonder if Mick thinks he's just, like, not going to show up. Did he get scared? Like, I put in all this time and effort, and this dude, you know, is scared. Or maybe Adrian, you know, went back on her word. But Mick's, like, pounding the door. Finally, Rocky shows up. There's a bunch of policemen waiting for him i guess guarding the entrance is is what i'm assuming why are they wearing motorcycle helmets uh, I, I don't don't have an answer for that one <laughs> i'm like thinking like as like i was going i was kind of like going through the process here okay what are they worried about well they probably want to protect the fighter they want to make sure nobody gets uh gets into to the locker room to the training area of the Philadelphia Spectrum and they all, I, I couldn't tell if they had weapons or not, but there's like, they look like stormtroopers. They look like the Rocky universe of, of what a stormtrooper would be. And they got these big gigantic helmets on. And then as Rock makes it, they all start applauding. Like, like, did they not, like, what was the reason for the applause? Like that, that, that part has, uh, it's not a big part of the film. So I don't really think about it too much, but it just seems kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have any answers. So the, that's why it wasn't part of the, part of the questions because I didn't think you would have an answer either. Okay, so um, let's. Uh, oh, before I get to the MVP, did you have any pet peeves? Uh, no. Uh, who's your MVP? This is an interesting one because I think the movie fully works the way that it does because of not only the way that the Apollo Creed character was written but because of Carl Weathers' portrayal. I really loved his portrayal in the first film, which is this like promoter guy. We talked about how he's really the promoter, not Miles uh, Jurgens. Um, but it's, it's Apollo. He's, he's the thinking behind the fight. He's pushing uh, the, the, all the right buttons to set up this tremendous campaign. And in this fight, he is still thinking from a, from a businessman's perspective, but he's much more serious about his own redemption. And I don't think Rocky's redemption works nearly as well without Apollo Creed's own trying to define what his legacy is. And so Carl Weathers, his Apollo Creed character to me is the MVP of this movie because 
you know, we talked about some of the weird dialogue with the Rocky character and trying to maybe make him a little bit more charming than he was in the first film. But this is like a, a reverse for uh, Carl Weathers. And I, I just thought the Apollo Creed, this version of Apollo Creed was brilliant. And I think what's what's good about Apollo in, th- in this is that, like, you know, they let you in on the fact that he's kind of playing the bad guy. and But he leans into that that heel role enough that you're you're rooting against them but it's there's still kind of the honorable redeemable qualities that come true that can make him easy to turn back as a fan favorite in the next movie absolutely all right who's yours mine is mickey and it's for the reason that i mentioned in that i think there's just three tremendous grounding scenes in this film with with between rocky and mickey and you know, I think a lot, a lot of this is a lot of this movie is a lot more melodramatic, and I think it needed that kind of basis, like you know, something to just kind of anchor it a little bit. And I think the relationship between uh, Rocky and Mickey is what does that. Um, and it's also like going forward, you know, you kind of have this father figure relationship with with. Uh, between Rocky and Mickey that like you know Rocky will continue to harness after like Mickey and the story is kind of passed away he'll look at him as this role model and it's kind of the person who shaped his character and I think that comes from this film because in the first film they had a kind of a difficult relationship so that there was a lot of bonding that was done over this film and you know I think that is a big part of what shapes Rocky for the rest of the series. If I had to pick uh, a, a, a runner-up MVP to me, I think I would have picked Mickey. So I think we're 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 pretty much on on board with that. But um, okay, so that is it for uh, Rocky Two. Gonna fly now, uh, and we will head on to Rocky Three, which obviously has to be titled "The Eye of the Tiger." And uh, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to Rocky Three. If you asked ten um, year old me what my favorite Rocky movie is, I would have said Rocky Three. It's Still, if if I'm watching out of enjoyment and not out of like the quality of the film, I still think it might be my favorite. So we, we'll, we'll I'll have to kind of fight with myself before we get to talking about Rocky Three. All right, so thanks to doing, um, and uh, we will be back with Rocky Three. <laughs> 